Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Hello, friends, and welcome to the first official episode of The Great Unlearn. Today's guest is my soul brother, Kyle Kingsbury. I'm so excited to introduce him to you today. He has some deep wisdom to share, and though he's done his fair share of research and study, the real nuggets from Kyle are from his direct experience. Kyle is no bullshit. He exemplifies what it means to show up vulnerably as he shares some deeply personal experiences on today's show. I love this man deeply. I can't thank him enough for the big role he's played in my life. I know y'all will really dig this episode, and don't worry, Kyle will be back. This will not be his only appearance. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please comment on one of our posts on Instagram, and we'll be happy to go down some rabbit holes with you. If you enjoy this show, please share it with a friend or several friends, as it's the best way to support this show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you won't miss the next one. Much love, y'all. Well, dude, welcome to my podcast. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. Uh, obviously honored to have you on. I mean, shit, I've been listening to your podcast for, for two years now. And uh, as we, we just got off your podcast and mentioned that this is the two-year anniversary of when you and I first met. Right around this time in the morning, too, which is just awesome. <laughs> um, and so... Why don't you give uh, my listeners a little context for our relationship, and then we'll kind of get do a little deeper dive into to your. Yeah, life. well, we'll. I mean, uh, I don't know when this when you're releasing. We'll probably release around the same time. So we we dive into a little bit of that experience where we met each other. Um, you know, I, I played football growing up, got into fighting. I had a boxing coach who was Native American who'd bring me out for traditional sweat lodges and. We got into plant medicines, and that was something that really changed the course of my life. And uh, of course, you know, there's much more details into that, but that brought me up to finding my way to on it. You know, I'd heard Aubrey on Joe Rogan's podcast for quite some time, and um, really felt called from a medicine ceremony to come out to Paleo Effects just to meet people. And um, at the time, I was really struggling financially, and you know, I'm arguing with ayahuasca about, you know, the, mm. the, the ability to make Un- it out here. Undefeated. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so finally I, I say, okay, I'm going. And then the next day I checked, flights had dropped half the price. I got a call from Sal from Mind Pump. He's like, dude, we're going. You're coming with us. You're going to be dude on the couch. We'll let you stay in all our Airbnbs for free. And he ended up even paying for all my food. Mm-hmm. Like those dudes took care of me big time. And on that trip, I got to meet everybody I wanted to. I hung out with John Durant, Ben Greenfield. And of course I met Aubrey and you know, we shared the same flight back to Vegas after that event and traded war stories for three hours. You know, mm-hmm. we talked plant medicines, fasting, uh, fighting in the UFC, just every single thing that I was into. And he was like, dude, I, I really want you to come work with me at on it. And, um, you know, 
fast forward, had some job stuff that, that opened up that and made it available. And here I am, you know, and so early on, it was, it was pretty much right when I first started here, we had that experience with the NAD treatment and there was a, the who's who mm. of people sitting in that room. So if you don't want to listen to the podcast, we don't mind, that's fine. I can give you the refresher. We had Tim Ferriss, Lance Armstrong, a couple of Lance's teammates, and there was you. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, well, who's this guy? You know, like everybody <laughs> hears of somebody. And, uh, <laughs> yes. and, and I was like, he's got to be a somebody, you know? And so, uh, you know, as I loosened up, as I felt like a fly on the wall between listening to Lance and Tim, there was three major turning points for me um, that, that helped me on my path to what I'm, all the things that I've been fascinated by. And this is post-fighting. You know, obviously fighting was a huge huge impetus for me to want to learn more, for, to want to treat myself better because it mattered in how well I recovered and, and how well I could quiet my mind in the fight. But when I retired, I was really diving into podcasts and Ferris had three release, one with Dr. Jim Fadiman, who wrote the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, which was really big on, on microdosing plant medicines and LSD. And then uh, Dr. Peter Atia and Dominic Diagostino, both of which have been on my show now, bucket list guests. So and they got me into fasting and the ketogenic diet, which I think in large part helped me heal a lot of the cognitive dysfunction and brain damage I had from fighting and playing football as long as I did. Mm. So when I met you guys, I was still like pretty tentative, you know, and letting those guys talk. And then I just had to thank Tim and I jumped in and started talking about the way that those seeds planted in me and what that fostered in uh, me becoming the director of human optimization here at Onnit. And uh, of course, then, you know, Lance had questions and you had questions and you can always tell who's close, like who's, who's really interested. Like, like is there a genuine calling to right. the medicine right. or is there just a curiosity around it? Right. Sure. And I, I knew, I, re I realized very quickly, like, oh, Cal's ready, you know? And I don't think it was long after that, that, um, I led you through your first heroic dose of psilocybin. And what's really powerful, something I mentioned on, on my show is that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work the same for everyone. Like, like it can be something that changes your life for the better if you embody whatever lessons you're given, right? It's a very personal experience. And that's something I witnessed in you and have been witnessing for as long as we've known each other. Of course, we've dropped in with a number of different practices since then, um, some based around plant medicine, some based around breath work. You've gotten into the trauma release with Matt mm. Fisher and a lot of really cool modalities that are non, non plant medicine based, you know? And I think that's, that's one of the things that I try to mention as a podcast host is that a, not everybody's ready for that experience and B, they may never be. So I think it's critical that we, we talk about all the tools and make all the tools available that can shift us to a place where we live better, you know? And that's, that's kind of on its uh, thing, total human optimization. It, it is very much the entire embodiment of what it means to be human. It's not just focused on the physical, it's the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual aspects of optimization. And so that's that's been my primary focus since being here is um, continuing to learn. You know, I think a, a critical piece in all of this is remaining a student, even though I am a mm -hmm. teacher in many ways. And if I can come from that place of being a student uh, I'm more receptive to the message. You know, I find if there's anything that I've got figured out, I'm not going to take in more information about it because no, no, I, I got that figured out, right? And I think that's one of the beautiful things 
uh, with the plant medicine work is that it continues to refresh and humble me. You know, they continues to let me know, hey, you're still learning and there's more to learn. There's more expertise to be given there. But, you know, where I'm at now is I, I get to have conversations with amazing people and travel the world to do it and really take a deep dive in with experts in their own field. And um, I have created the space and the time to actually digest what it is that I'm going to talk about or what I just previously talked about with the guest. Oftentimes I'll read in their entire book or books before I get to podcast with them. And then from there, actually start to employ some of the practices they're talking about. And I think that's, that's where the rub lies. You know, it's in actually embodying whatever that wisdom is and trying it on for my, myself and really feeling like, okay, I have a general level of, um, a general level of understanding of what this can do for me and what this can do for others. And from there, you know, getting still, a lot of the practices we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about allows me to continue to refine and, and just listen to what's going on. You know, if I can check in, then I can, I can really start to, to operate as my best self. Yeah, and I think that that's probably the most difficult thing. And I'll just speak for men, if I could even do that, right? But like, I think the hardest thing for a lot of men is to get that stillness, right? To, to check in with actually what they need, not what they think they should do, right? Um, I don't only say that because I spent so many years of my life doing what I think I should do based upon whatever it was, what my parents thought, what my coach thought, what my teacher thought, what my buddies were doing, um, and, and not understanding that there was this constant kind of noise in the head and I was just doing stuff, right? And, and through these practices, right, through most all of them, right, if you can just lay them out for people, right, and say, what are you, what are you called to do, you know? And I'm a little bit more of a risk taker. And so maybe that's why I was more called to it. Like I, I was at a point in my life two years ago, as you know, I had two days earlier, I was in Las Vegas at the, at the shooting. And, um, I didn't realize it then. Um, I really only realized that probably 18 months later, like what kind of happened there. Um, in the sense that I didn't, I didn't suffer any PTSD from that experience. You know, I was there with, with my really close friend. And I think the fact that we were together in the experience for one another, and we didn't see something totally gnarly happen, right? I mean, obviously we were hiding and while well, the, 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 the shooting was going on, but we may get out of there alive and, um, it wasn't until, like I said, 18 months later that I realized that at that point in my life, I it late, I had surrendered. It was really the first time I surrendered my life. And I said, I if someone comes around the corner of this tour bus, because we didn't know how many how many shooters there were and what the, what the circumstances were, I'm done. There's nothing I can do. There's 80, 90 of us back here. No one's got weapons or anything. And so, you know, I just kind of surrendered to that. And getting on the other side of that and understanding like, holy fuck, dude, you, you've done all these things that look great, but you are completely unfulfilled. What, like, what, like, what is your life going to be about? Because if I didn't make it out of there, it was largely unfulfilling, which looking at it from the outside, how could that be unfulfilling? It's when you're so disconnected 
right? And you think you have to live up to all these things. It, it can become this thing that is is never satiated, right? You do this deal, it goes well, what happens? You put another deal out there. So you're always looking ahead, you're always grinding. And I think that was the 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 narrative that I was a part of, right? And whether it was with exercise and it was kind of like, I was always trying to hit PRs with snatch and clean and jerk and back squat and stuff like that. It's like, why am I doing these things? You know, what am, what, what's the purpose? And when I got on the other side of it, I understood that it was this distracting from looking at who I was and the life I was leading. And it, I didn't like it. But if I put on the muscle, right, people wouldn't ask me about the other stuff. You know, they yeah. say, well, you're, the, you're fit. You're super fit for 45, 46, 47, whatever. And I could play that narrative, right? I could get the stink off me for a little while. And then I could just, you know, suffer by myself, right? Yeah. With that feeling like a fucking fraud. And so, you know, that experience two days later, I meet you, right? And that just opened up a whole new world to me of what was out there and what it meant to be present. I had never understood that. It always just seemed like some woo-woo term. I, I had no context for it. And then you started to introduce me into these different practices, meditation, breath work, right? And we obviously did some plant medicines and we we, we did we kind of did all the things because I, I wanted to try it all. I mean, yep, that's my tub, nature, yeah. fucking do it all. And let's see what sticks, you know? And I would still early on be judging myself, like I'm not doing enough. And and what I found was I was so focused on doing the things, I was just doing the things. It was fucking these mindful practices completely mindlessly. <laughs> and so once I finally got to the other side of that and started to see how silly that was, I started to just play with the different experiences and start to integrate them into my life and, and, and see what worked for me. And it changes. It changes from the springtime to the summer when I'm in Idaho, when I'm in Austin, when I'm traveling. Like, And I'm trying not to hold myself to some certain standard of things I have to do, you know? And I think, like, letting go of that, you know, one of the things you said to me, I've always remembered this, and I've shared with this with, with so many people, is that all is forgiven. You know, and I think for so many of us, we don't want to believe that. We want to hold ourselves accountable for bullshit reasons because there feels like there's some purpose in that. We want to beat ourselves down and say, no, you fucked that up. You're going to be punished over and over, like Don Miguel Ruiz, over and over and over again, you're going to punish yourself. And it's like, well, for what, right? Yeah. And so anyway, like you and I have in, in, in two short years have such a deep history and I have so much gratitude for you and my wife does too, Peyton, for for just what you've given me and 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 as a result given our family. You know, it's not lost upon us that I was in a bad place. And and again, looking at it from the outside, you wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. But if you asked Peyton about it, there was a, a deep lack of connection and there was a lot of bitterness from her, you know, which what happens then? There's that bitterness. I feel like shit. I read the bitterness and then it just becomes a bigger, bigger gulf between us. And so as I started to soften and understand and learn, um, and again, don't get me wrong, that's not the end of the story. Yeah. Like you're going <laughs> to still do the fucking work, yeah. right? Because I got so 
focused on fixing myself, what was I doing? I was still closed off. Yeah. I'm like, I thought I figured this out. Like, look at all the shit I'm doing. She's like, it's too intense. Like, you need to chill. Like, it doesn't have to be, everything doesn't have to be a thing. You know, and I was making everything, whether it was trying to go keto or doing the breath work or in the cold water or whatever. You know, I was going so deep into these things that I was losing the intent behind it. Yeah, and you still lacked the connection with her all along, right? Yeah. Yeah, you talked about a couple things that, that are bringing up a lot for me. You know, the all for all is forgiven piece. Uh, I think I first heard that from a voice in ayahuasca. Mm. And it just, I mean, right now, I can feel how impactful that is when you actually understand it. And it's not just words. Like when you, when you first believe that, how meaningful that is. And of course, Ted Decker, one of, one of our homies has written about that in two books that absolutely changed my life. The 49th Mystic and Rise of the Mystics. All is forgiven. And I think this, this other piece that you're, that you're speaking to is as a society in general, and this, this applies to men and women, we get so caught in the doing that we stop being. And when we're in that doing, most of the time, we are doing it for other reasons than for ourselves. We're doing it because we're supposed to be. We're doing it because we should be. And that is another fantastic quote from Ted is stop shooting on yourself, mm, right? I love that. Yeah, stop yeah. shooting on yourself. There's nothing that should be or should not be. That's a fucking idea, right? Mm -hmm. And that idea creates pain. That idea creates expectation. That idea creates wanting, right? Mm. And if we can shift from... And it doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing. I'm not trying to move to a mountaintop and meditate for the rest of my life, right? right. Like you can, you can go to the either extreme, and and not be the change that you wish to see in the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think you know, with that doing, the check-in is not to stop doing. It's to do it for the right reasons, to have intention behind what you're doing, and to know the why. Right. If you're doing all these things because you want the most rapid change and you want to take the most amount of medicine and you want to do all this shit and I'm ready, right? That very unconscious male aspect of go, 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 get, 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 accomplish, conquer, that's not the way either. You know? And I think if we're if we're constantly working towards things for Money and obviously there's a threshold there. Maslow's hierarchy is a real yep. thing, right? But yep. if you're constantly, can you explain that for people? Yeah. So I mean, uh, and you, we'll have to look this up online. But basically, you know, you yeah, have basically yeah. you have some very key elements to your survival. Yep. And when you are worried about shelter, having a roof over your head, when you're worried about the amount of food you can put in your body, when you're worried about where you'll get your water, that's your baseline entry, right? And even if, if you tie this into Eastern wisdom you have your root chakra. That's what that applies to. But you can look at that from a very a very practical point of view. Like these are the things that you require just to stay alive, right? And then from there, you can move into um, relationship and procreation. And then from there, as you just climb the ladder, you start to get into a deeper connection where you can actually feel peace inside. And that's something I talked about on the podcast we just did was this idea that I don't know, I don't have intuition. I don't have a connection to source or God if I'm in a state of panic, if I'm in a state of fear. You know, this card I drew in Sedona over the weekend was to open heart. 
-hmm. And it talked about all the ways we close our heart. And um, you close your heart through fear, right? I've been living in fear. You close your heart through judgment and blame of others. Mm. And I was like, damn, yeah. I didn't realize judgment and blame does, does that, no. right? But that, that's how you build the shield, right? So yeah. what is the opposite of that? It's, it's, it's acceptance right off the bat. It's forgiveness. And it's not about forgiving somebody else for them. Mm. It's about forgiving somebody else for you, mm. right? If I'm a victim of something... I can stop being a victim the second that event has ended, right? If I can choose to forgive. And it's the weight that I carry from that, that's the weight I carry. You know, a lot of times people think they're going to forgive somebody like a parent or a loved one, and then it's going to free them. It's freeing yourself. That's what you're holding on to, right? And these are oftentimes the lessons we get in plant medicines or deep breath work or deep stillness where we get outside in nature and we, and we forest bathe for an entire weekend camping you know, things like that, when we have that level of stillness, that's where the connection is made to our higher self or to the divine, whatever you want to call that, however you want to label it. That's when we get that connection and we realize what's going on inside and where it comes from and the why behind these things. But all those practices that open the heart, you know, surrender, forgiveness, unconditional love, you know, and that's another beautiful one that Ted taught me was we seek to, to know, we seek to know a love that holds no record of wrong. Mm -hmm. No record of wrong. That is just fucking paramount in life. Because anything that I hold inside, I'm the one that carries the weight. You know, Paul Selig says, anyone you cast in the cave, you have to fucking hold them there. You're right in the cave yeah. with them, right? If I mentally throw someone in the cave for a wrongdoing that I perceived, I'm right there in the cave with them, right? So we have to shift the way we see those things. We have to shift the way and have gratitude. And, and, and that's something that's, it's a little hard to say, like, how do I shift, you know, how do I shift and forgive being molested? How do I shift and forgive some really atrocious shit that's gone on? Because that's the fucking world we live in, right? But the truth is, it's for you. It's for you. And by doing that, that's one of the most liberating, freeing things that you can do. You're doing it for yourself, mm. but you also have to mean it, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Because a lot of times I think we we perceive that as letting that person off the hook for what they did and not being held accountable. And that there are ways for them to be held accountable. But if you're, as you said, still holding them in that cave, right? And it may have been some horrible shit that they did, like it's still controlling you. And again, I don't have, you know, as far as I know, the deep trauma to speak of. And so I don't want to speak out of turn here, but it's just, I know that on a, on a, different level that if I'm holding someone in judgment for something that happened, it's really just fucking with me. It's weighing on you. It just yeah. is. And I'm carrying that they're not. Yeah. And I think the other piece there too is the re in the reframing. And again, this can be done without plants is a teaching that Anahata has taught me. And I think, she, you know, you've worked with her as well. Yeah, She's sure. a beautiful medicine woman out in Sedona. And, um, she asks you in her conscious relationships workshop, who is your greatest teacher? And you think about that. And the first thing you think of is who taught me the most good? And mm -hmm. she'll, wait, she'll let you go for about five minutes. And she says, okay, whoever that person was, cast them out of your mind real quick. Maybe you've taken notes already, but your greatest teacher is the person who taught you the most, period. The most good and the most bad. It could be a sibling. It could be a parent. It could be a, like a literal teacher from school. Whatever the case is, it's somebody who's had the biggest impact on your life. And oftentimes that is somebody who showed you 
the things you don't want to do in life, the ways you don't want to live. But that's a teacher too, right? And I think understanding that allows you to reframe and have gratitude for the shitty, hard challenges you were put through. And something that Aubrey talks about a lot is if hindsight's 2020 and you can look back upon every challenging event that you had with gratitude and know like, oh, hey, this, this shitty thing that happened actually ended up being good because it taught me how to take care of myself. It taught me how to set boundaries. It taught me, it gave me a focus on what I wanted to do with my life, whatever the case may be. Oftentimes we look back on the hardest parts of our life and we say, oh, that was necessary because it led me here, right? And so when we can begin to use hindsight as foresight and we're in the eye of the hurricane and shit's hitting the fan because there's no, you know, we will have periods of life where everything's easy and then we have more work to do. We have more layers to peel back, right? And so that, that infinite continuum of work, if we can learn to appreciate it and have gratitude for it in the moment. And this has been a lot of my lessons in the last year have been truly having trust and faith when the moment is hard very easy when life is going good to say fuck yeah it's all going good infinite faith and all that and um when the shit hits the fan if i can just remember all the troubling and hard challenges that i've made it through and what they taught me i can surrender in that moment and accept what is and then know in my heart that as i move forward this shitty thing that i've got to do right now is going to be a huge benefit to me later no matter how hard it is I'm going to come out of that better having experienced it. Mm. And that's, so that's the, 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 the kind of the varsity level kind of understanding of what's going on. And, and I think that is challenging for a lot of us is that when you're in the storm to be able to have that awareness, like this is teaching me something. I'm not sure what the lesson is, but when I get through this and just to have that almost to surrender to that moment and, you know, Peyton over the last, uh, a couple of weeks had a a similar thing come up for her that really was challenging, but I was so impressed with her ability to sit with it as it was happening and to recognize that this was for her to get really, really clear about who she is and what she stands for and how she wants to be in the world. And just to watch that, like, as, you know, front row seat to watch her you just sit with it and be uncomfortable and cry and have that strength well up was amazing. And it was a great lesson to me, like, like not necessarily to welcome the shit, you know, or to, to ask for it to happen. But when it happens, don't go into that, that cave where you're just like, woe is me. Why is this happening? I, you know, I don't deserve this. All those stories that we tell ourselves to try to protect ourselves, just to sit with it you know, to be with it and, and, and to learn, you know, try to learn the lesson as soon as you can, but be okay with it, you know? Yeah. yeah there's, uh, that, that reminds me of another thing that Aubrey said that you shift the story from this is happening to me to this is happening for Ooh. me. Right. And that shift of the story, you don't have to know why. And so, so many of my lessons, including this last weekend, are based around, you don't need to know it all. You don't need to figure it all out. It's too much to consume. It's too much to understand. It's much bigger than we could ever imagine, mm. right? The interconnectivity of all things is so much vaster than we can comprehend. So there is a part of this where you, you can surrender and go along for the ride. And I think a better, or maybe not a better, but a more detailed explanation of that is in A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, when he says, in any situation, 
we have a choice between resistance and acceptance. And acceptance is your first layer. So you're, you're caught in a rainstorm, your tire gets blown out, you have to change your tire. Mm. You can bang the steering wheel and fucking <laughs> curse, call for roadside assistance, or maybe you got tools in your, in, your, uh, in your trunk and you can change the tire. But if you accept what is, it's just that. You don't have to like it, but you just do it. And you don't let it bother you, right? So, oh, okay, I got a flat. Let me change the tire and I'm going to be late 30 minutes to my, my appointment that I have, or I'm going to miss this podcast or whatever the thing is that's so important. Mm. If you can accept it, that's a breath of fresh air. And from acceptance, we can move into enjoyment, mm. right? That's where you're doing the thing you really like. Yeah. And from enjoyment, we move into enthusiasm. Mm. And I don't know the exact translation. Uh, it's, it's Greek, but Theo is God, right? So it translates to being in God, mm. right? That's enthusiasm. When oh, you're just okay. fucking so in it, like you're inspired, you're in spirit. In the thing that you're doing, you're absolutely in love with. That's enthusiasm. So those levels, I mean, if you find yourself in a pinch, at least work towards acceptance, right? And then from there, you can scale that. And obviously, the things we enjoy, we can be enthusiastic about. I've been incredibly enthusiastic about today. You know, you were just yeah. on my podcast before that. We had Daniel Carcillo on, who I got to spend the night with last night at my house. And he's he's a fucking gem, mm. just an amazing human. And um, so it was very easy for me to be enthusiastic about today, yeah, right? Understood. And that's okay. Um in other points, you know, we did this uh, LSD journey on in Sedona where I was trying to recreate an experience I had uh, about a year and a half ago with some some really amazing people. And uh, I'll leave names out of it. You know, Sedona's not like you're doing on the Amazon. It's not necessarily <laughs> legal. And, uh, but I took a friend up and I thought we were going to split a microdose. And, you know, what had happened was I had some liquid LSD that I flew with and... Um, it looked like I had lost about half the bottle when I landed. And so I was like, shit, man, uh, the pressure from the plane must have made it leak out in the bag. That's okay. We're only going to micro anyways. But what I realized on the mountain as shit hit the fan was it had simply dehydrated from the dryness of Arizona. So it, I mean, and I would, I wouldn't give myself this dose. It was, and to put it in perspective at Burning Man, and I don't recommend this to anybody when I talk about the dose ranges that I've become accustomed to and how I push the scale. It is strictly for myself. It is strictly a calculated, most of like 99.9% .9 of the time, very calculated decision. Burning Man, I had 500 micrograms of acid and some pharmaceutical MDMA. And I was riding my bike laughing I was in a state of joy, no purging. It wasn't ceremony level, even though it was a fucking huge whopper yeah. of a dose, right? Yeah. So on this mountain, we turned inside out. Uh, we didn't even make it all the way up. We took it at the base of the mountain. We hiked 30 minutes. We made good pace, felt like a micro. But I had reconstituted an unknown amount that was in excess, well in excess of what I had taken at Burning Man oh. because I couldn't take a step further without causing serious bodily harm. And I'm up on the mountain... My friend's turning inside out and he keeps looking at me with a green face every few pukes. And he's like, am I going to be okay? Mind you, it's very public. We're fucking like 10 yards off the path. Yeah. And pan real panic sets in because yeah. I've guided others, but 911 was never a fucking thought that crossed my yeah. mind. And in that experience, I'm not receiving any messages. I know at the dose that I'm on, I should be able to ask a question and get an answer, whether it's my highest self or 
consciousness or God or plant medicine, you know, LSD's consciousness or the mountain medicine, whatever that is, that's, that's debatable. If you haven't done it, that's fine. I would say it is outside of me. But in that state of fear and cortisol and adrenaline, there was no fucking messages. And that was something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. As Paul Selig talks about that, you can learn in a state of fear and you can learn in a state of love. Both are incredibly valuable teachers. Well, I learned a lot. The majority of what I learned on the mountain that day was in a state of fear. And I could feel viscerally my connection to source or my higher self completely severed. And I was asking questions like, can we get down the mountain? Do I call? And they, you know, no answer. Uh, I call a close friend of mine who's a medicine man to come up the mountain, but he's six hours away. He's not in town. And real panic sets in. And I remember this speech. We were at a MAPS dinner with Tim Ferriss, Aubrey Marcus, and, uh, and Jamie Wheel. And Jamie is talking, you know, it's a big rah-rah speech talking about the, this movement and what's happening. And, mm-hmm. and it was fucking <laughs> awesome. You were there. Mm-hmm. And then Jamie gets real serious and he looks around the room and he says, don't fuck it up. Don't be the first person to die from this experience. Do not die on psychedelics. The movement is bigger than any one of us. Don't be a fucking headline. Don't wind up in a hospital. Don't ruin it for us all. Mm. It's bigger than you right? The power of these things can heal the world. It can shift our consciousness. It can make us pay attention to nature and want to care about the environment and care about Gaia and care about the earth, right? Mm. The power is there, but it has to be used responsibly. And I had loads of guilt, loads of shame, loads of embarrassment. The next day I spoke to four people about the proper way to use plant medicines. The irony, that was like the first icebreaker. It was, I just started laughing hysterically. Once we had help, and I knew we weren't going to die. I was able to let out, you know, <laughs> a heroic laugh because I saw the absurdity of it all. But it was only then when I laid down, you know, I checked in and that was my first download. My first download. Mm-hmm. I heard this voice that said, you're not leaving this mountain until you get what you came here for. And even now I'm still processing, right? And uh, it just opened the floodgates, you know? And that was like my best purge was to let out all the tears, all the fear, all the sadness. I had visions of us leading, leaving on a fucking medivac helicopter off the mountain. And, um, you know, t- that download, hearing that voice let me know, oh, okay, I am here to do this work. And maybe this is by design. Maybe this is something I was calling in unconsciously, the ceremony level dose. And that's something I talk to people about is, you know, if you want to do the concert dose, make sure it's the concert dose. If you're trying to push the envelope, check in. But I had no check-in. You know, I'm podcasting all week in Phoenix. Um, I look at the bottle and I just gauge it. I don't meditate on it. I don't use um, organic tobacco to really set the intention mm. and, and tune in. And so, you know, finally I surrender to that experience. I accept what is. And then I start getting just some of the most consistent and profound downloads, you know, truly seeing God in all things, seeing it everywhere. And a lot of it was shared with my partner, you know, mm. my buddy's there and he's like, I see eyes everywhere. And I said, yeah, man, it's all conscious. That's, that's what, that's what indigenous people from all over the world believe. Mm. Animism, 
It's all animated. It's all built from the same stuff we are. It's all conscious. It all has whatever soul I have, the mountain has, the wind has, the fucking clouds carry it. And uh, I was blown the fuck away, you know, still highly ungrounded. You know, LSD is very much ether medicine. It pulls you out of your body. And it took us a few days. I'm coaching people. I'm doing all the practices, breath work, Tai Chi. I got my shoes off the whole weekend. I'm doing cold plunges and, you know, working with tobacco, which can be grounding and really trying to get myself back in my body. And um, it wasn't until, you know, four days later, we had a mushroom mm -hmm. ceremony that really did ground me. It was one of the most peaceful experiences of my life. But I was all over the fucking place, you know, and it, and it put it in context for me to see the why behind that. And I think the key was, you know, I've talked about Jamie Wheel. He wrote the, a great book called Stealing Fire with Stephen Kotler. And um, they talk about this hedonic calendar where you actually schedule, you know, your big plant medicine journeys and when you're going to microdose and things like that. And when the book came out, I love the book. I think it's phenomenal. A lot of people ask me, do you have a hedonic calendar? And I'd laugh in their face. Say, there's no, there's no fucking nuance to that. Like mm. it's the first full moon of the month. I'm going to, or it's the, it's the full moon this month. So it's a her her hero's dose. Or it's Thursday afternoon, so it's a microdose of psilocybin, and it's Monday morning, so it's a microdose. Of it just took, to me, that took all of the, it made it into a schedule, uh -huh. right? This is something we just talked about on my show. Like, it's about feel. It's about employing the practices as you need them, whether that's working out or working in, right? And then that's where you get the downloads. But in the medicine journeys, it was very clear, if I'm so locked into the doing, and I've got you know, programs coming out, the launch of my website and all this shit that I'm trying to work on. The last time I had a ceremony was in May. It's been five months. It's not even on a quarterly basis. Right. And I am called to the medicine, right? I am called for the downloads. So I had literally just worked my way into a place of forgetting how I could receive information and downloads and shift perspective and actually get answers on what to do when I'm at a fork in the road. And so it was very clear to me to at least schedule some things so to loosely have the hedonic calendar, I think is something that I'm going to employ, you know, and I think that was, that was a beautiful message on what had led me there and what can help me going forward. Because, you know, even with all the work that I've done and all the tools that I have and all the people I've learned from still sucked back in for five months. And I think a key thing to point out to people who do the work with, you know, heroic doses of medicine is the fact that we're often so inspired when we leave. And we figured a lot out and we yeah. want to do it all. We want to mm. fucking change everything and go, 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 you know? And, and it's equally important to any of the work we're doing, no matter how positive, no matter how much it is for the good of all, that it's for the good of me too, right? That it's for the good of I. And if I can focus on that as I leave ceremony and I'm inspired to do my work and, and help the world, that the focus isn't lost on me, right? All the practices that provide stillness and get me quiet and allow me to tune in and connect, you know, all these, the medicines just build a bridge, right? It's what they say in the Amazon. You build a bridge, whether that's a bridge to your higher knowing or a bridge outside of you to the all, you know, mm -hmm. the great spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, when the bridge is built, the better that connection is, the more you can receive without the medicine, right? But if you get so caught, you know, I was so caught in doing and driven and getting shit done that it really did feel like I was scheduling stuff. It really did feel like, you know, uh, all right, uh, now feels like a good time to go for a walk, but it's still not that level of stillness to where I can get some good downloads and really shift the course of what I want to do in life. So that was really important for me. 
Well, I think that's an important lesson for all of us, right? As we're trying to be our best self, right? Whatever that means to each of us, right? Um, use the principle that you shared earlier with what Aubrey says, this isn't happening to me, this is happening for me. And that's actually something that I <laughs> admittedly use when I drive my son to school. He goes to school 45 minutes away. And I got to drop my other son off first. And then it, it begins like a two-hour morning, right? And originally I'm like, fuck me, I got to fucking, this is a long time in the car. You know, one week I drove 600 miles. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? But using that principle, right? Like I get to drive my sons to school. I get, like, that's some of the most precious time I have with them. They're 16 and 13, They've got other shit going on in their lives right now besides me. And so, you know, I do the best I can to have them off their devices and just spark some sort of conversation that is interesting to them, right? Not how was school and all that. I mean, I still fall into that every now and then, but I know it's a dead end. So as soon as I say it, I got to fuck it. I think another question, right? <laughs> but um, so anyway, I, I love you sharing that because I think that's such an important thing to get out of that victim mentality, right? And it's like, this is learning. This is all learning, right? All our experiences are about learning, I believe, right? And when we fuck up, something's to be learned and, and be okay with it, right? Go back on that principle. All is forgiven. Like when in doubt, if you just can fall back on that for yourself, it allows a lot of things, you to, to let go of a lot of things, right? Just to surrender to what's happening. And, and I know when you talked about the, you know, a plant medicine journey, right? And, and when you're done with it and you journal, you're like, these are all my downloads, or you do the deep breath work or the anahata or whatever the thing is, is giving you the downloads and you write them all down. And then like a couple months later, you're like, well, fuck, I'm only doing one of those things. Yeah. You're doing one of them. It's fucking awesome. Cause you weren't doing it before. Right. And so, to, you know, as men, I think we like to, as you said, achieve, do the things. I have five things that I had, that, you know, from my my medicine journey. Like, these are the things I'm going to work on. It's like, it ends up being the big rocks. You know, what I've found is throughout all of the different modalities that I've, I've used, it comes down to one or two just simple messages, right? Life is play. Enjoy it. Let go. Don't take shit so seriously. It's all the same thing, right? But just let it unfold. It doesn't mean sit back and be a lazy ass, but it does mean that sometimes you just need to sit back and let it, you don't need to force the issue. You don't need to be creating anything, producing anything, saying anything. Like there's one thing for me, like as a coach, right? Or as someone who wants to show up for someone, I realize that a lot of times I just need to shut up and listen and just reflect back a little bit you know, not give advice, right? And in a lot of times, what I found is, is, is through that coaching practice, when I do speak, I'm really, as, as selfish as this sounds, I'm really only speaking for myself because it's almost to everything I've ever said, it's what I need to hear. So it's like my ability to birth that verbally into the universe allows me to take it and it's like, yeah, motherfucker, you need to listen to that. Because as I think we both know, as much as we want to, I come to you for advice and we'll talk about, if it doesn't come out of my mouth, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. It doesn't matter how much I respect your opinion, your experiences and all that. It needs to originate with me. 
Otherwise, I don't have a deep belief about it. I may play around with it and I may eventually fall into some deep practice of whatever it is. But ultimately, I think people learn the most when they can actually say it themselves and believe it. Because, I mean, you know, how many times have you given people advice and they've just fucked off with it, right? You're like, that was fucking great advice. You know, but that's great advice for you in your perception of where they're at, right? And as we both know, like, we only see the world through our own eyes. We really don't know the path of another. As much as I know about you and love you and share experience with you, I know very little about the way you actually see the world and what actually would work for you, you know? And so to be able to reflect back and you know, it takes time and nuance and the ability. And even though I'm going on a bit right now, it's like the ability to shut the fuck up and just listen. Right. And, you know, that's probably been one of the things I've learned the most and have had the most success with because now I don't give a fuck if you listen to your own advice or what I say, like I'm saying it for me, it's time for me to go put that into practice. Right. So now I've detached from the outcome of what you've done with that information. I don't care. Not because I don't love you. It's because it's not for me to carry. This is you, right? This is for us. I'll take what I need. You take what you need. And so that's been, I think, an important part of my growth is just listening, right? And being able to show up in that way. Yeah, Paul Check talks about that. We got two ears and one mouth. Use them accordingly, right? Twice as much listening. And I think... um, you know, when it comes to when it comes to these practices, the the way that we teach is by planting the seed. It's not through advice. If you need to lose fat, I could write you a fucking bullet point list of all the things I know from cold therapy to working out to intermittent fasting and longer fasts and you know, carnivore versus keto and the benefits of both and all that shit. But unless you want it for yourself. It's, you might lose some weight, but you're going to gain it back. You know, as a fucking trainer, I, I, I trained a lot of people I was fighting and a lot of them would lose weight. I got a guy to lose a hundred pounds. He gained it all back. So he didn't want it for himself, you know, or you've got people around you. That's not the right environment. Like I work with, with husbands who wanted to lose weight and did, and their wife kept, didn't, wasn't on board and vice versa. Wives who want to lose weight and the husband's not on board. And then they see them eating the Twinkie and all the shit goes out the window. Right. Mm-hmm. It is truly about wanting it for yourself and then understanding when you understand your why and then going out and and working towards that. You don't have to become an expert, but having some degree of experience with it, right? And so if I can show you the direct experience of plant medicines, that's all that's needed, right? Mm -hmm. And then we work on integration and things like that. But that experience done proper is better than any book. You know, it's Michael Pollan's book, how to Change Your Mind is phenomenal. Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, phenomenal. They're all phenomenal. But it's when you experience it for yourself that you truly know it, right? You can do Wim Hof's course online and take cold showers and do the breath work. But until you actually get in a cold bath and start to master that and quiet your mind and feel the deep inner stillness that happens only in a cold plunge, oh, yeah, right? Like you don't get it until you go through it. And that's the hook. The hook is the direct experience, you know? So... You know, I and and again, I want to give people many options here that lead us up the mountain. If you do Wim Hof breathing, as he says, feeling is believing. When you feel that charge in your hands and you're completely out of your head, all you're counting is your breaths and you're going for it 
And maybe you've got a stopwatch to see how long your breath holds are. That's a way we silence ourselves. That's the way we get quiet. But it's also, it's building and boosting so much oxygen throughout our body that it is healing in its own right. When you get in a float tank, the first couple of times I floated, I was like, I don't fucking get it. It's yes, buoyant. Yeah. It's fun. But <laughs> I'm not getting this meditation aspect. And I think the third time I went in for a 90-minute session, I felt like it was fucking five minutes. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, that's where the medicine is. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And it was only when I got in, I think I bought a package. So it was like, I'm not going to waste the money. I was a broke fighter. Like, yeah. let me just at least get through this. I know the magnesium is good for my body. <laughs> It'll at least help my muscle out and I'll sleep better tonight. But when I got in and I was, the light came on and I was, I just remember thinking, what the fuck? And I even asked the lady, I was like, did you stop it early? And she's like, no, check your clock when you get out. And it was like the most magical thing I had ever done at that point. It was, it truly changed the way that I viewed floating. And of course, you know, I've had some really, really profound experiences combining some medicines with that, like yeah. a microdose of LSD or uh, a microdose of ketamine in the float and really dropped in there. But, you know, they're all tools, right? And so I think it's important to talk about those tools because they're pointers. And that's something that Eckhart talks about in, in uh, A New Earth is that these are all pointers. They're all, they're all just roadmaps, right? Until mm. you experience it for yourself, you don't know the way right? Mm. So the pointer is what we give on the podcast, but yeah, the direct right. experience is where you can embody the practice and say, holy shit, I get it now. But that does take a little bit more, right? A lot of people, when I was talking to Dom, a lot of people try ketosis for a couple of weeks and they don't get through it, right? It's fucking hard. It's really hard. Really it's hard. really hard, right? I've, I've, that, I've been in ketosis for like a day, <laughs> you know, and then I had some, like a dumbass, some fruit thing. And it's like, you Gone. know, glucose yep. spikes. I'm like, you're such an ass. <laughs> so I'm like, it's not for me. But, but that's just it though. Th those things are hard. And I think if you have a degree of commitment and discipline, you can get through the sticking point to fully understand it, right? It's not enough to try it once. You can't say, oh, I tried keto for three days and it didn't work for me. Like, no, you didn't actually try it, right? You try that for eight weeks. You try multiple cold plunges till you're successful in quieting your mind. And you feel like you could stay in for an hour, even though you don't, because you have a timer or a song and whatever that yeah, and start out at it's sixty five degrees, and then the next time uh -huh. go to sixty and work your way in. It's yeah. all like as you, it's all about the reps. Get the reps in to understand it to start to embody it, right? Because in the beginning, you know, the first time you get, you have no idea what you're breathing. You're just trying to make it through to a minute, and then you get out, and it's like I did it, but that was awful. And then three months later. It's twenty five degrees colder. You're in it for six minutes. It's meditative, and it's like oh, motherfucker, remember where I was, yeah. right? And it's like, it's all about getting to that point where you have the proficiency and it's just a part of your experience now versus like really having to focus on the doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you bring up a great point. Like you got it. You can't just try it once. That didn't, it didn't work for me. Like ketosis sucks. Like I did it for three days. No, like you really need to spend time in whatever the modality is to get that that deep experience and then figure out if it's for you or, or, or not. Because there are a lot of people who have these experiences that change their lives. And so maybe they're worth investigating. I would argue that they are. But if you're not called to it, don't fucking do it. Yeah. You know, do what you're called to. And that's back to the point of trying to find that still point for yourself where you can actually ask yourself, am I called to do this? Um, which I think is hard, you know, and, you know, um, 
what I wanted to ask you now, just because the name of the podcast is working in, right? I think this is a good time to ask, like, for you to become really present, like, what are some of the things that you do? Like, how do you work in, in your life so that you can show up for yourself, for your family, you know, for the, for the people at work and for your brothers? Like, what do you do? What's the most effective thing? Yeah, I would say, you know, and I, I, I do a variety of these. Again, it comes back down to listening to what I need in that particular moment. So there is no regimented schedule of every, you know, this is my morning routine or this is my that. I, my morning routine is a tall glass of water at room temp and getting outside. Usually it's walking the dog or going for a one mile walk around on it. Mm. And that just, that just jogs my brain. It gets me switched on. A lot of times it's, I'm contemplating. It's not for meditation at that point. Um, but one of the things I want to talk about with this is that oftentimes we've got a lot of shit going on. And so I can't switch gears from go, go, go into a state of stillness because whatever I'm going with is still on my mind. So it's very hard for me to sit still in a quiet, dark room if I haven't taken the steps to shift gears down. And this was a concept that I got in breath work with the Art of Breath guys. Um, Brian McKenzie and Rob Wilson, they've been on my show and they created this Art of Breath. Uh, it's an online program. They also do seminars in, in a lot of the major cities. And I think it's, it's available on powerspeedendurance.com. So we'll link to that in the show notes. And it's really one of the most comprehensive ways of breathing, like the comprehens most comprehensive breathing you can do. They have breath work to charge your body in the morning, wake up, breath work pre-workout, intra-workout, post-workout for healing and how to shift down. But they created this six-minute shifting gears where you literally gear up and then gear the breath back down. And from there, you're calm and alert. And breath work is a form of purging. It's a way we move energy. It's the way we dump, right? So even in these plant medicine ceremonies, a great tool is to have some mastery of the breath because it allows you to move through the sticky points. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if I've got a lot of shit going on, which, which I do, then I know I need to shift gears down. And a lot of times that'll require movement. You know, the physical practice of yoga, which is all most of us in the West know it as, is just the physical practice of yoga. That was designed to move energy out of the body and tie the breath to the body, to breathe into the spaces, to unlock parts of us so we could sit still in silence and in darkness, right? So it may be yoga. It may that I, maybe that I don't have time for yoga. So maybe I'll go for a jog or I'll do a, you know, a walk around on it that's, that's 20 minutes. And when I come back, I can then start with something like Tai Chi. And then from moving and tying the breath to my movement, I can then start to get still. And I'll work those layers down shifting until I can come to a point where I actually can sit in stillness or stand and do the, the uh, Qigong practice. You know, Warriors in Stillness is a great book about Qigong that I got from Paul Cech. You know, Paul Cech's book, How Do You Move Me Healthy, Changed My Life. At the end of that book, he has his own exercises that are, they're, it's Tai Chi and they're designed for each energy center in the body. And he called them zone exercises so he wouldn't piss off people who, mm. who have a, you know, a trigger from learning about chakras. But you can see, man, if your fucking neck is chronically tight, um, that if you do some of the zone five exercises and, or fifth chakra exercises with breath work, you're going to see that clear and open up. And I think that's, it's really important that we Tend the garden where it's needed. You know, that's that's something that Anahanta talks about too, is the idea that we we need to focus like a hawk on our thoughts and we need to weed the garden on occasion. And it's pulling out and removing the things that no longer serve us. We get caught in the moment of, 
What can I add to my life? What's the next supplement to take? Yes. What's the thing that's going to make me better? When if we just removed the things that were taxing on us, that were depleting us, that are taking too much from us, we would see so much more benefit from that. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to learn and continue to try out new things. That's that's my job here. I'm the fucking office guinea pig. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the better I get at removing things that no longer serve me and things that leave me less whole than when I started, the better I get at enjoying every day. So I think downshifting that through different forms of breath work, sometimes it's a fucking workout. You know, I, I did that that workout yesterday. I told, you know, on my podcast, I wanted to squat and do a bunch of shit that was going to really break up the muscle and get me back into shape. And the answer was just do some really hard cardio for a very short period of time. And then I sauna, I went out from the sauna and I did three rounds of Wim Hof breathing. I finished my last round with a hundred breaths and a breast hold. And I was lit. Like my entire body was charged. I felt I was high, you know, and that's women will say that get high on your own supply. I was legit high, shifted neurochemistry, felt the oxygen coursing through my body. And the whole rest of the day, I was on point. I didn't show up for my son beaten up and broken and not willing to play. I was there, you know, and I think that there a lot of these things that we use to get still, they have the ability to work on a number of different systems in the body. And I think stacking those can be beneficial, you know, taking off my shirt and going for a walk. I'm getting direct sunlight and it's, and it's at the right dose of sunlight, but it's charging my body up while I do that. My shoes are off right now in the office. My shoes are off when I go for the walk so I can get grounded. Um, anything that I can do that, that has the most bang for its buck, those are the things that I want to do. Well, I think it, it, what, I, what I want people to take away too is though you may employ four, five, six different things in the downshifting, you know, I think it would be beneficial to the, to the people listening to try one. Yeah. Try one that's different for you. Maybe it is 15 jumping jacks, whatever it is, right? Like just try and see if it shifts you a little bit when you go from, from one space to another, right? And don't get caught up in trying to do all the things that Kyle's doing because he's super woke about this and he can, it's like, he's been doing the work, right? Well, and, and to your point, I didn't add all those at once. I got into mm -hmm. the cold. I got into Wim Hof breathing. From there, I got into different forms of breath work to slow down. You know, uh, all these things were learned one at a time. And I took the deeper dive into each practice. And from there, now I have the ability to pick and choose what I feel is best suited. But it all starts with the intention. If I know I'm worked up, if my intention is to drop down into a state of stillness, I can use any practice to get there. I can use the Wim Hof breathing to drop into a state of stillness, right? And that's very energetic. That's very charging. But my meditation after the Wim Hof breathing was like nothing else because I had cleared all that energy. I had cleared all the stickiness, all the work that I did in Arizona and all the travel. And I was able to dump that and really get still and really feel peace and really feel connection, right? So, and that was just, you know, that was a workout, that was a sauna and that was breath work. So it was a few things, but the truth is, as long as I have an intention to get to that place, you know, you, we're pretty aware of different things that have worked for us in the past and we can find the right tool in the toolbox that'll get us there. It's just to have the intention to settle down, to get quiet and then picking what we know best to get there. Well, and I love you keep saying intention because it just keeps, it's like in bright lights for me right now, like intention, like why are you doing what you're doing? And for me, like, like I told you earlier, like, working out exercise for me, my intention was to build this, 
avatar of who I was and, and, and to become something different or to live up to something I thought I needed to be, right? Um, but when we really are able to listen to ourselves, we are able to figure out what our intention is, right? And and again, like I, I had a friend of mine who's he's struggling a little bit right now. And one of the things he's struggling with, he's like, you know, these weekends of, of sex and drugs and, and you know, I, 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 I need to stop them. It's like, well, sure, like as they are right now, but, but, but in and of themselves, sex and drugs are not the problem. It's, it's the intention behind them. You're using them, you know, admittedly, he said, like to numb and to forget and to do all these, distract himself from like going deeper into who he is, right? And so it's like, let's not necessarily stop doing those things. I mean, you can do them with intention. As we know, through plant medicines or MDMA, or there's a lot of great work that can be done with drugs to help heal that stuff, right? And so if your intention is to just get fucked up and get laid all weekend, you're going to feel a certain way on Monday about what just happened. But if you go in with intention, as you've said, like it can start to heal these things, right? And you can start to use these things, right? It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be sex. It could be exercise. It could be meditation. It could be the, like all these things where um, they, there's a gradient on, on how we use them right? Or abuse them. And so it's all informing you. And for him, right? It's like, brother, this is just telling you that you're not right, right now with what's going on in your life. Okay. That's great. You know, and you're still safe and all that through all the abuse of what you've been doing. So let's just start to fix that little by little. Right. Um, so anyway, I think with that, I, I think we should, we should wrap it up. Can you please tell everyone, uh, where to find you? Yep. Cal Kingsbury podcast everywhere podcasts are available uh, we're on YouTube as well at Kingsboo on Twitter and Instagram don't DM me but if you ask me any question I'm happy to answer so hit me up on any any post in particular doesn't matter just throw your questions there I'll try to get to them uh, K-I-N-G-S-B-U and then kingsboo.com is the website uh, if you give me your email I will send you my entire supplement list uh, obviously, you know, I work for Onnit. So there's a couple of Onnit supplements in there as a caveat, uh, but they are shit that I, that I take and believe in. And um, not bombarding people. I really have such a busy schedule. I can't do a weekly newsletter, but once a month, I'll, I'll send you a little note on what I'm reading, what I'm into, what I've been downloading and learning from. And um, 2020, we're going to have some really good programs come out that I think can help people. Dope. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on and, I mean, hosting me actually in in this space, but uh, deep gratitude and love for you, brother. Um, can't thank you enough. I love you, brother. Thank you. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BunkerCal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn and we'll talk soon.